0: All right, kids can go out with Mrs. Narda, kindergarten through six. All right. Well, open your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and today we've made sure that you've got to at least open your Bibles to this scripture because we don't have it on the screen. There's a Bible in front of you. If you don't have one, there should be one there in the row somewhere. The other thing you might want to need that you don't normally need is there's a bunch of notes in your bulletin, so if that's helpful for you, there's a two-sided note page in there. Uh, This is kind of a two-part message. Uh, We're going to be going into the gifts of the spirit. And so today is kind of an introduction. And we talked last week about kind of stirring up the gifts to see, you know, fanning into flame to rekindling those things that were in us. And we may be discovering what they are, or we may just uh, be reviving things, reviving fires that have gotten kind of low. And so we're going to keep going here and just kind of introduce ourselves to the, to the gifts of the spirit. And then we're going to talk about a a principle that ties into that, which is the principle of, of impartation. And we're going to look at the scripture, what the Bible says about that. So today is going to be a little bit more of a, a teaching day. So we're going to go through a lot of scriptures. Uh, we're going to go through a lot of different passages. So I'm going to introduce 1 Corinthians 12, and we're just going to do, start there. And then in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll have a guest next week. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll start with the first gift. Of the Spirit, and will take us. That'll take us probably till the summer. So I encourage you to be here on Sundays, not to miss, especially if you've never been through a study on the gifts of the Spirit. You don't know what your gift is. Uh, you want to be here, and God's going to do some stuff in you. I'm believing. What I'm believing for this is I'm believing. First of all, there's people that are going to have a revelation, a discovery where God just shows them something. I believe there's going to be people that are going to have gifts that are going to be activated. They're going to be released in your life. I also believe for some of you, there's just going to be a a reignition. There's going to be a, oh, yeah, I need to get that going again. And the Holy Spirit's going to stir you. And for all of us, we could say, hey, I need the increase in the frequency. I need to increase in the awareness of what the Holy Spirit is doing. So I am releasing His gifts to other people around me. And so there's something for everybody here. You know, whether you're the oldest pro in the book on the gifts of the Spirit or you're the, you're the newest newbie, we all need something. We all need the Holy Spirit to stir us and remind us and reveal things to us. Uh, just kind of stir things up, activate uh, and so we're going to ask him to do that. So right now, Lord, we just ask you, even before we... Start this study in your scriptures. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and fill us. Lord, we invite you to come and speak to us. We invite you to come and empower us. Lord, that's what you want to... You said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this is part of the power that comes upon us, that we might share the good news of Jesus, that you are real, that you're a powerful God, that you're a mighty God, that you do really reign. That you will confirm your word, it says, with signs and wonders and miracles. And so we thank you, Lord, that you you said we're the ones who that happens through. Lord, we don't deserve it. We're not worthy. But you've made us worthy. You've said, no, you are worthy. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this through you. It's going to be my anointing, my my presence in you, my Holy Spirit in you. So we just invite you, God, fill us, open the scriptures to us, help us see things we've never seen before, help us understand things we've never understood before. Give us, give us new insight. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read the, the, a passage. 1 Corinthians 12. says this. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you, That no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Did you see the Trinity there? God the Father, the Lord is Jesus, and the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. So, the, the God Himself, the three gods, three persons in one, not three gods. It's confusing, isn't it? Even I get tongue tangled here. So, he, He's amazing. So, that shows us a picture there. It says, now to each, verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And let's go ahead and read the gifts here. I'm not going to talk about them today necessarily. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message or the Word of God. Of wisdom, to another, the message of the word of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healings by that one spirit, to another, miraculous powers or miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits or discernment of spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He, notice the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's not an it, He's a He. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. So we're just going to jump right in here and give a little bit of intro. That was a list of the, those are the nine gifts that are called the gifts of the Spirit. The manifest, manifestation of gifts of the Spirit. And I believe, I believe personally that every single one of us can walk in these. And most likely you will walk in one more often than other. But because you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there are times where you may not normally operate in a gift, but you're the person who's there. And because you've got the Holy Spirit in you, He says, we're going we're to release that gift through you today. And so, you know, while there is a thing where you, you know, "Quote unquote, have a gift. Uh, it's to me. It's more. There's going to be one that's more common, more frequent. Maybe one or two. But there's times where we need to be aware. Hey, God can use this us for any of this because it's the same Spirit. You notice how many times it said the same Spirit, same Spirit, over and over again. We've all got the same Holy Spirit, right? Nobody got shorted. Nobody got shortchanged. Nobody said, "Well, you get you know, your. You know, we're going to give you the. You know." If you've heard of the junior Holy Spirit, he doesn't exist, okay? There's no junior Holy Spirit. So the kids, that's why we believe our kids from what age, they can be full of the Holy Spirit. They can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. They might even do it better than us because they ain't thinking about it so much. They just go, okay, we can do that, great. (laughs) Let's do it. So laying that down, you know, maybe God will release you in a new gift this time. Maybe you say, man, I've always been operating this, but God is going to expand and and show you something new. So I'm, I'm believing for that. But it starts in verse 1 and it says, uh, Paul says, hey, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. In other words, we're supposed to know about this. There's a lot of people that are ignorant of the gifts of the Spirit, but it, it says right there in the Bible, it says, hey, don't overlook this. Don't be ignorant of the gifts of the Spirit. This This is important. It may not be the most important thing. The most important is your salvation. But it's up there. This is is a part of life. This is how God reveals Jesus to the world. Because if we don't reveal a real God, a living God, then which God are we revealing? You know, we're not going to explain people into the kingdom anymore. Maybe we did that at one time in our nation... That's not going to happen anymore. We're not going to argue people into the kingdom. We're not going to convince them with all these cool things, hey, God is real. You know, and that's, that can all play a part, and that's good. But people today, they need to see a demonstration that God is real. They need to have a, a real encounter with Him, because there's so much confusing stuff going on right now that, you know, he- most people's heads aren't straight. I mean, look at the person next to you. I mean, there's, there's things wrong with all these people, right? So it's a joke, okay? You know, some of you aren't sitting next to someone. So look at yourself. You know there's there's crazy things going on in our heads sometimes. And so it's not going to all just be in our head. We need to have an encounter with God. We need to have we need the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. We need a revelation of who God is. And that this is one of the ways that God shows himself real. And traditionally sometimes the even the spirit-filled churches, you know, we've left the gifts of the Spirit in the church building. You know, and that's not God's desire. The, the gifts of the Spirit are meant for the common good. It says it's not just to build up the body; it is for that, but it's to be a demonstration to the world: Hey, God's real. And so, I mean, it's—I I hate to use the youth as an illustration again, but actually, I enjoy, enjoy it. You know, they had something called the gift of the word of knowledge released. They prayed, and God showed them people who they were supposed to pray for. And then when they found those people they say, "Hey, I already knew I was going to come see you." And that's that's like catches people's attention. Wait a second here. And it was and it was pretty specific stuff. When God reveals something to you and uses it demonstrates to someone that God is real. And so we need to not be ignorant of it. I'm already on point 2. Verse 2 it says, "Hey, look, in the past you used to worship all these idols who didn't speak, but now you're, you know, you know, you're not that anymore is, is, is the context. And so what, it, what it's saying is there's a contrast between the living God and those gods that aren't gods. And part of how that is revealed is through the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit being manifest in His people. I mean, in this time and age, when Paul is writing, you know, idols were a real deal. I mean, there's real statues there. I mean, they're really being worshipped. Our nation, not so much that... The idols are invisible. They're, or they're, they look like other things. They don't look like statues. But those things don't minister life. They don't speak life into anybody. There's nothing really alive in them. And so there's a contrast to say, hey, God's a speaking God. God's a, God's a living God. He, he's not mute. He's not, he's not, he's not quiet. He, he can speak. He can, he can do things. And the way that we demonstrate that He does things is part of the way He does it through His people. He speaks through you. He does something through you. And so, then it says, verse 3, which is kind of an interesting verse. Therefore, I tell you that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, okay, there's been a lot of argument over what this means. And um, so, if, if you've heard something different, that's, that's fine. Um, Here's probably what it doesn't mean. The church probably didn't need to know that if someone stood up and said, Jesus, be cursed, they're like, they needed to be told that's not God. I'm hoping that the Corinthian church could at least get that, right? <laughs> you know, in other words, if somebody gets up and says, this is something from God, and, and he just says something blasphemous about Jesus, it's like, that's, that's kind of like basic 101. Someone gets up and curses Jesus. Most likely what it's saying is, hey, look, in this day and age where they were living, the context here, there was all kinds of spiritual activity going on. Okay? It wasn't a Western mindset. We have a Western mindset in the United States. In other words, we're more aware of flesh than spirit. This is more real to us than the, the spirit realm. And so, but in this day and age, that was a common thing. I mean, all the, all the religions were worshiping. They were, they were expecting a manifestation of some spirit. They were having a spiritual experience, there was what was called ecstatic things happening. In other words, people would be moved by spirits to do things, and there was a presence there. There was things going on, so it was totally natural when people got saved to come into the kingdom and have, hey, the spirit does stuff. There's, there's stuff going on in the spirit realm, and it's affecting me. I am experiencing it. And so, here's the deal. The dark realm, what happens, the experience of the Spirit leads to Jesus being cursed. The name of Jesus being derided or brought down low. But the activity of the Holy Spirit, this is one way to know, is this really the Holy Spirit? It's always that Jesus is being lifted up as Lord. So if if there's something going on and someone says, hey, that's the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't doesn't ultimately lead us to the conclusion, hey, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is being exalted. Jesus is being lifted up. Then that's not the activity of the Spirit. You know, and so it, it's not just saying simply that you can't say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. It's saying, hey, the, to really declare the greatness and the Lordship of Jesus is going to happen through the activity of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what, that's what the Holy Spirit's about. The Holy Spirit is about lifting up Jesus. He is not about lifting up himself. He wants to reveal himself so he can show us who God is. But his, one of his jobs is to exalt Jesus. And so we always want to see whatever's happening when the Holy Spirit shows up, Jesus needs to be lifted up. Jesus needs to be exalted. We need to be more excited and more in love with Jesus. And so anything else is getting us off track. You know, if I'm more excited about the gift than Jesus is Lord, then I'm off track. And so, and those things, it's easy to get that way. It's it's exciting when the gifts come and where God fills us and empowers us. And so the the fruit or the goal of the gifts is Jesus as Lord. Now, there's one more verse I want us to look at. And it says, um, verse 6, it says, There's different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. Or your translation may say, in everyone. So, who is this for? Who are the gifts for? Everyone. Everyone. Okay, so everybody say, the gifts, are for me. the gifts are for me. Okay, so it's for me to give a gift to someone else. Okay, so, it's, so the Holy Spirit empowers me, so I am meant to be empowered by the, by the Holy Spirit to operate in His gifts for people. And so, again, last week we talked about that. The gift is not for me, it's so I can give it to someone else. Anytime there's a manifestation, a gift of the Spirit, it's for somebody else. God does it through you, but it's, the gift is to them. It's a gift from God to them. It might be a message of wisdom and encouragement where, where you just need wisdom in that moment and the Holy Spirit comes and just speaks something to you. And you, when you hear the, 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 the wisdom right there, you, oh, that's what, that's what needs to happen right there. And it's, it's supernatural. It's not, it's not human. It's not like, ah, oh, we, can, we can figure this out. No, it's something that ha- that's that's straight from heaven. If you've ever heard someone get up and speak, I've been in meetings, you know, where there's people kind of disagreeing, and people, you know, things going on, and there's a little bit of confusion there, but when someone gets up and has a message or a word of wisdom, it's like we all go, yeah, because it's like heaven speaks, you know, God, the Holy Spirit and and it's, it's a message, a word of wisdom, and we all go, yes, that's it, so this is for everybody so we need to know that nobody is excluded from this no age group no no personality type no no ethnic group no country no doesn't matter we're all included if if we belong to Jesus he says we can have the holy spirit and we can have the gifts operating in our lives what what activates the gift in our life i believe is the baptism of the holy spirit if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's, that's the starting way that God empowers us. That's the reason. It says in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, uh, wait for the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when, you, when He comes. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so again, doesn't that sound like Jesus being exalted as Lord? In other words, when we're empowered... To witness what's happening, we're declaring Jesus is Lord, and so that's the operation of the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want us to look at, I want us to, that's a that's the introduction right there. Okay, now we're going to do part two. We're going to talk about impartation. If if you weren't here last week, we read the scriptures in Timothy where it says that Paul says, "I laid the, there's a gift on you because I laid my hands on you," and then they said, "There's gifts in you because the elders laid their hands on you," and there was. You know, they, they prophesied about that. And so, uh, I want us to look at the idea of impartation in the Bible. You know, does, is this something from the Bible? Is this something that's, you know, Pentecostals made up just because it feels good. We want to see ourselves putting hands on people and stuff. And so, the answer is no. But impartation is real. There is, there is a reality to the power of the Holy Spirit being released when we lay hands on one another. It's not just... Something you do, like, oh, that's just what we do in church. When you pray, you just lay hands on someone. Now, if you didn't grow up in a spirit-filled church, sometimes you know when you pray you don't lay hands on somebody, right? <laughs> you know, you're not you're not supposed to do that. Let's pray. And you're like, why are you touching me, bro? You know, I mean, so it's it's new for some people. But if you grew up in a spirit-filled church, it's almost like automatic. We just do it without even thinking. Let's pray. Boom, lay hands, right? <laughs> Let's strap the jumper cables on them, right, Ronnie? Strap the power cables on them right now. Bam, you know, we wanted to wanted to go. So, but what, it, what is that? Why, why, why is that there? Let's, let's look at the scriptures. Impartation is this, and this is in your notes. So if you don't have your notes out, this is where I'm going to be reading right from this. Uh, the passing on from one person to another of spiritual gifts, authority, or ministry. This is important. Under the leading of the Holy Spirit. So this is not something we're directing. It's something he's directing. Through the laying on of hands. And there's a few scriptures here. Romans 1.11 says this, I long to see you, Paul says, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. What does impart mean? I mean, it just means to pass on to someone else. I pass one thing from me to another. I impart it to you. And so Hebrews 6 is a great scripture. Hebrews six one and 2. It says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ... And go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. And of faith in God. Instruction about baptisms. There's an S on there. The laying on of hands. The resurrection of the dead. And eternal judgment. What is the writer there saying? Hey, he says, hey, let's, leave behind, let's not stay on the basics. And then he lists the basics. So what are the basics? They're right here. If you want to know what the basics of the Christian faith are, they're right here. It's, it's so interesting what shows up here. You know, hey, uh, repentance, that's basic. We've got to repent from acts that lead to death. We've got to turn away from that stuff. Say, that, that's, I'm going a different direction. We've got to have faith in God. We've got to trust God. That's, that's a basic. Baptisms. Notice it has an S on there. So there's more than one Baptism. What is that? Well, it's talking about water baptism, for sure. But I also believe one of the S's, at least, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's a basic elementary teaching of Christ. And so these are the, things, these are the basics we don't want to be left out. So if you've never been baptized in water then, hey, that's one of the basics. You need to get that done. You need to be baptized. That's the way we, we identify with Christ. It's kind of part of our public confession of faith where we are identified with you know, Jesus as he's buried, but then he's raised up. It, it's, it's awesome. But it's a part of the basics. But it says, hey, there's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't leave without being empowered by God. Then it's interesting because it says the laying on of hands. Okay, the resurrection of the dead, we'd all get that one. Hey, we're, you know, one day, it's not talking about Jesus being raised from the dead. It's it's talking about the the future resurrection. In other words, this, you know, when I die, that's not going to, that's not it. There's going to be a resurrection later where I am, you know, have a new body in heaven. You know, I'm raised when Jesus comes back. It says the dead in Christ will rise first. You know, that's the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. I know that's not cool in some day in our nation now to say there's going to be a judgment, but there is going to be a judgment. There's going to be a judgment day where people are judged, first of all, for salvation. And, you know, that's going to be final. You, you know, you want to know something interesting about judging? I mean, really, ultimately, a judgment is to make a final decision. So when all those people are saying, don't judge me, don't judge me, you know, again... We're not making final decisions when you judge if something's right and wrong. So anyway, that's just a pet peeve of don't judge me. Well, judgment ultimately means you will never change. This is, this is your sentence. This is where, what's going to happen. And so I don't, I don't ever judge people like that. I'm believing for something good. But I will judge whether something's right and wrong in someone else's life. We judge all the time. Anyway, you, you're, I'm preaching to the choir here. Don't judge me. If I ever hear that again, (laughs) don't judge me. It's like, anyway, stop, John. (laughs) That's one of the basics. But isn't it interesting that it says the laying on of hands is one of the basics? And it uses that specific phrase for a reason. I don't think it's it's talking about laying on hands for healing. Because the scriptures don't (laughs) talk about that very often. In terms of, you know, they say Jesus laid hands on people. Sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. Sometimes he wiped mud on them, sometimes he didn't. You know, when it says, gather the elders of the church, it doesn't mention laying on of hands. When it mentions laying on of hands in the scripture, is it's talking about impartation or the remission of sin. So examples from the Old Testament. So that's why I believe the laying on of hands is talking about impartation of the presence, power, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And setting apart someone for leadership. That seems clear from the scriptures. But the Old Testament. Uh, Moses imparts to Joshua. See this? You can see your scriptures there in your notes. Numbers 27 says this. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in your presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. Then Deuteronomy 34 has a different part of that. It says, now Joshua, son of Nun, look, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Why? Because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. So in other words, there was authority released to Joshua to to have spiritual authority. So there is a release of spiritual authority when we lay hands on someone. So when someone is set apart for ministry, we lay hands on them because we're believing that God is releasing spiritual authority in their life for that ministry to which he has called them. But there also, it says, that he was filled with the spirit of wisdom. In other words, there was a gift of God in his life, a gift of wisdom. Moses had that gift and... Joshua had it, why? Because Moses laid his hands on him and it was passed on to him. How about some other examples of passing on in the Old Testament? How about Elijah and Elisha? You know, there was a passing on. How did that happen? Not directly through laying on of hands, but there was a, there was a, a point of contact that happened. And here's, the, here's a new one which I hadn't thought of before, because I've done some of this teaching before. But... In the Old Testament, you know, there is a definite symbolism on the laying on of hands of releasing something. There's the negative example of sin. Think about all the sacrifices. What would they do? A lot of times it says they would say, lay your hand on the animal and the sin of you and the community will come upon that animal and then you either sacrifice it or release it into the wild. Sometimes there's different, there was different offerings. But what were they doing? What was being imparted? It, it wasn't gifts, but sin was being imparted. And so there's that there's a there's a spiritual principle here. Again, it's not like in the New Testament that's not mentioned, so we don't we're not imparting sin anymore. Thank goodness, right? <laughs> we're not we're not passing on that kind of thing. Because we have Jesus, right? We you know what does it say about in Isaiah? It's a beautiful picture, and I I I, I just thought of this, so you can weigh this out. I just saw this yesterday. You know, in Isaiah 53, where it says, The Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I mean, I just got that picture of thinking of laying hands on the animals, and then God says, You know what? I'm going to lay hands on the Lamb of God. He laid on Jesus the sin of the world. And so we don't have to worry about the sin anymore. But in the New Testament, there is the passing on of, like Joshua and Elijah, a passing on of ministry, a passing on of gifts. You know, when Elisha receives a double portion, he asks for the double portion, he receives it from Elijah. Make sure I do those guys right. Um, What happens? All the things that have been happening with Elijah begin to happen with Elisha. You know, Elijah raised someone from the dead. So guess what? Elisha does it too. You know, Elijah, just before that, he struck the river with his cloak and the river parted so they could walk through. What happens when, when Elisha gets the cloak, he strikes it and says, Where's the God of Elijah? He strikes it and he walks through. It does the same thing. What does it look like happened there? The gifts that were in Elijah were passed on to Elisha. Okay, let's look in the New Testament. But is this just in the Old Testament? Because if it's just in the Old Testament and doesn't show up in the New Testament, we, should, you know, we want what's in the New Testament. The New Testament reveals more of what the Old Testament was about. If it's a principle only in the Old Testament, I don't want any part of it. If it's not a part of the New Covenant, if it's not a part of after Jesus. So I've got to make sure that it transfers over to the New Covenant. You know, there's things that didn't, didn't make it over. You know, Jesus declared all foods clean and there's, Peter has the vision. So it doesn't matter what you eat anymore. I mean, that was the old covenant. That has been passed away because God said, this is a new covenant. This is better. Jesus is better than all that stuff. And so there's some things that didn't make the transition. So I need to make sure, hey, does this show up in the new covenant? So here's some examples uh, from the New Testament. Acts 6. Hey, let's turn there. Get in the book of Acts. We're going to go through a few scriptures here. Everybody doing good? Everybody enjoying this? It's kind of a little more... Less preaching and more more teaching, so hope it's good because we're digging in here. It's fun. Acts six. What's happening in Acts six? Um, the apostles are trying to do everything. They're trying to do everything in the ministry. They're like one of those pastors that tries to do everything. I try not to do that, but sometimes I get into it, you know, and start doing it. So stop me from doing that. Um, but they were, you know, all this stuff is going on. People are complaining. Hey, our, the widows aren't being fed over here. There's there's problems going on. Hey, there, there was problems even in the early church, okay? <laughs> so they had the power of God, the presence, the Holy Spirit just came, and there's a little disagreement. So a disagreement is not necessarily a sign that God's not working. You know, God can be moving. Just, he says, hey, w- learn to work things out. Learn to walk in harmony with one another. So the apostles, what do they do? They say, hey, we don't have time for that. We're devoted to the word of God and prayer. That's what God has called us to. It's okay to say no to something that you know you're not called to. You don't have to feel guilty about that. If you're not called to it, then say no to it. You know, because you don't have to do everything. You're supposed to be you, not, you know. Cooper doesn't have to be Kelly, because Kelly's Kelly and Cooper's Cooper. So Cooper just does his stuff. Sorry, buddy. Uh, You know, and so we we all have to do our part. That's what the apostle says. Hey, look, it's not right. It's not right, is what they said. It's not right if we do this and neglect what we're supposed to be doing. So if I ever say yes to something that gets me into doing something, that takes me away from what I'm supposed to do, I need to say no to that thing. Because someone else will be raised up. That's what it shows. And so what it says, uh, 6 and 6, they, they chose men, and then they presented these men to the apostles, look, who prayed and laid their hands on them. Now here's, here's where I know something happened. Before Acts chapter 6, the only people who are mentioned that the miracles and the power of God was working through was the apostles. There's no mention of anybody else. What happens after the apostles lay hands on these seven guys? They start seeing the same things that were going on in the apostles. So I believe that shows us there's an impartation of gifts that was happening in that moment. I don't know if the apostles were just discovering, you know, didn't even know. I don't know if they were aware or not, but they were just doing, hey, we lay hands on you when you're, when you're called to leadership. And so they lay hands. I mean, you look at Philip and Stephen, and you're like, when did those dudes hand out food? Right? I mean, have you ever read Acts 678 and and 9 you know it's like You know, these guys were put in charge of making sure that people got food. And all they go doing is, like Philip is being transported around, preaching the gospel in other places, seeing signs and wonders and miracles, casting out demons, people are being healed. It's like, I don't know if they ever did it. I'm sure they did. (laughs) But it's like, the only thing we hear about is not them passing out food. We hear them doing miracles and preaching the gospel and being empowered by God to be who they're supposed to be. And so what it only happened after they had their hands laid upon them. Go to Acts 13 is an example of laying on of hands for ministry. Uh, Acts 13, verse 1. I'm going to take a drink while you get there. It says this, In the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, it's under his directions. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So there was a, there was a setting apart of ministry. You know, it was an empowerment of the Holy Spirit that came upon them. Now let's go to Acts chapter 8. Go back to Acts chapter 8. I like hearing those Bibles turning. Some of you, I hear your iPhone moving, but I like hearing those Bible pages turn. Acts chapter 8, and this is where, um, you know, Philip has just gone to Samaria. Remember Philip, you know, supposed to be handing out food. He's traveling all around, preaching the gospel, and it says all kinds of amazing stuff happened. There's crowds there. They're seeing miraculous signs. They paid close attention to what he said. There's, you know, there's all kinds of manifestations and demonstrations of the power of God. So they knew God was real. And so then it says the apostles come down. In verse 14 it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, what did they do? They sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? They had simply been saved. They hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what that means. Then, look, then Peter and John placed their hands on them. And what happens? They received the Holy Spirit. And here's the interesting thing. This, There's a Simon the sorcerer guy there. In verse 18 it says, when Simon, that's not Simon Peter, it's Simon the sorcerer, saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, and then Peter rebukes him and says, you know, there's all kinds of stuff wrong with you. You need to get right with God. And I pray that he, I, it, it doesn't really say what happens. You know, he just says, yes, let it be so. I, and I pray that Simon, the sorcerer, is in heaven. That he got saved and got turned around. But he, I mean, he had it all wrong. I mean, he was trying to buy something and, you know, this is a free gift. I mean, he, he was trying to manipulate God. And so God's, and Peter's like, oh, we ain't, we ain't doing that. But what does it say? Look, the Holy Spirit is given. That's why when we pray for someone to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's important for us to lay hands. Because, you know, for whatever reason, God has chosen the connection of touch to say, you know, we're going to touch physically, but there's going to be a touch spiritually that happens when you touch somebody physically. And so, it's a, to me, it's a, a picture in the physical of what's happening in the spiritual. There is something coming from here to here. The Holy Spirit is given. Acts 19. Acts 19 is Paul with the 12 Ephesian believers. Um, And Paul gets there and says, hey, what what baptism did you receive? And they say, John's baptism. In other words, they just heard about John the Baptist. So it was preparing the way for Jesus. And Paul said, verse 4, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? They got saved. Okay? When Paul placed his hands on them... The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So what happens there? Paul places his hands on him. What happens? They're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a release of the gifts. So it looks like, looks like the New Testament is, is looking good so far that this is true in the New Testament as well. Turn to the back of your notes if you got them there. First Timothy, and these are the scriptures we looked at last week. If you didn't, If you weren't here, we're going to read them again says, First Timothy 4.14, do not neglect your gift which was given through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. In other words, there was a gift that was released in Timothy when the leaders of that church or that region laid their hands on him and set him apart for ministry. There was something that was re- released. Uh, there was a gift that was imparted. Um, we should be careful who we lay hands on to. It says in First Timothy 5.22, it says, Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. What is that talking about? Laying on hands for someone for leadership. In other words, we don't want to just anoint anybody and give them, you know, spiritual authority if they're not ready for it, you know. And so there is wisdom that operates in this. This is not just a free for all. This is not something where, you know, it's all about what I want or what you know, somebody wants. This is what the Holy Spirit wants. It's like Acts 13 is a great picture. You know, it says they were, they were all prophets and teachers. None of them were apostles yet. You know, in that, in that region, Paul was not an apostle yet. He was just one of the guys. And then the Holy Spirit says, set apart Paul and Barnabas. And so they laid their hands on him. And I believe that there was something released in Paul in that moment where he became what, what we know as the Apostle Paul. There was the, the, the gift of being an apostle that was released upon him. And so, you know, what happened? The Holy Spirit brought that up. You know, He's He's the one that needs to bring things up. And so we don't want to be hasty. We don't want to get ahead of God. Uh, we don't want to lay hands on someone before their time. If they're not ready, it's okay to say it's not time. Uh, you know, the other thing, too, is if somebody wants to lay hands on you and pray, and you're not, you feel like the Holy Spirit says no, say no. Okay? You don't, just because, you know, just because they want to lay hands on you doesn't... you. I don't want everybody laying hands on me. It, it, you know, if if you're uneasy, now it may be, you know, the the devil is going to try to make you afraid of something that's good from God, but you you should know the difference. There's a different feeling that's going on in your spirit when it's like, uh-uh, uh uh you have all you've had that check, you've had that ooh, it's it's a it's a bad feeling. And so uh, you know, trust trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. So for Second Timothy one six is the one we read last week. It says Paul also imparted a gift to Timothy. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So I would, I would say that the New Testament says, hey, this is, this is for us. This is, this is not just for Moses and Joshua and Elijah and all those guys. You know, that that wasn't just something in the Old Testament. That's something that, that, that God brought through the new covenant. That it made it through the cross. There are things that didn't make it through the cross. Where the cross says, I took care of that. And I'm so thankful for those things. That we don't have to sacrifice animals. That we don't have to do all that stuff. Uh, you know... It was all pointing to Jesus anyway. That was the point. It was, it was an arrow to Jesus. And once Jesus came, the cross took care of those things. But there's things that made it through the cross into the New Testament, the New Covenant. Those are the things that God says, hey, here's how it works. Here's how my people operate now. And so impartation is important. If somebody has a gift, first of all, if you have a gift, you have to know there's times where God may want you to release that gift in someone else. And so we need to be able to hear the Lord. What happened was, um, you know, Paul was moved by the Holy Spirit and released a certain gift into Timothy. And so that same thing can happen to us. You know, be ready. You don't have to be a pastor to have that happen. You don't have to be someone, you know, set apart for a certain position. Uh, You have the Holy Spirit and He can lead you. And he may say, hey, you need to lay your hands on this person or that person. And again, be gentle. Ask them. See if that's something they want. If it's not something they desire, maybe it's not time. You say, I have a sense in this from the Lord. We can go at it in a respectful and honoring way. But know that that's a possibility. But the other thing is sometimes other people may need to lay hands on you to activate a gift in your life, to uh, release a gift in your life, to, to impart a gift to you. And so... Be ready for that. If there's somebody, if you feel like the Lord is stirring, you say, I know God's wanting me to be involved in discerning of spirits. Then find somebody who you know operates in that gift, and you might have them pray for you. See if they're willing. See if you can both say, hey, we think this is a good thing. We think this is from God. Again, this, it's not a free-for-all where we start going, Oh, I'm just going to get all these gifts and have all these people lay hands on me. And that's, you know, there's nothing. I like getting prayed for all the time. So if someone, if I'm at a place, I'm going to try to get someone to pray for me. That's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's, it's, it's understanding that uh, actual gifts being released in your life, that's got to be the Holy Spirit's timing. That's got to be the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is what we want to do right now. This is what's going on. And so there's some... There's some principles there that you can read. I encourage you to read. Um, You know, gifts can grow in intensity. I believe that. You know, I believe that it's just like the picture of the fire. Sometimes the fire is down and needs to be stoked. You need to stoke your flame. So we need to take time to develop and grow. Allow the Holy Spirit to to operate in in our lives. The more you use a gift, the more regular it becomes. Um, It's not automatic, you know. You've got to receive your gift. You've got to develop it. You know, impartation is not magic. It's not like, you know, that we just lay hands on, Boom! Oh, everything's amazing now. No, you've got to learn. To, there's still a, a point of faith, a point of risk, where you have to step out and use the gift. You know, just because someone else prayed for you that, that uses the gift doesn't mean that suddenly it's going to be so easy that you just, whoo, you no. Know, there's, you know, you, you, have, you can impart a gift, but you can't impart your personal history with God. In other words, there's experience that happens over time where we grow and learn and we are in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so it's not automatic in the sense that, you know, it's not magic. And so we want to always be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit to seek to the Lord, you know, that we're, we're seeking Him personally. We're not relying on just some prayer to change everything in our lives. Because it's meant to activate, to start something in our lives that goes on from that point. It's not to totally make it all, you know, Magical. Uh, We all want magical stuff. I know that's why fairy tales are popular. That's why people like Disney. You know, but life is not a fairy tale. (laughs) Anybody notice that? Some of you more than others like it's definitely not a fairy tale. Recently, so uh, you know, life life is a challenge, and that's why God says, "Hey, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. You need you need somebody. You need someone with you." And so, um, I hope that's helpful. I mean, that's just a, a straight on teaching upon impartation because that's as we go into the gifts we're going to be wanting to lay hands on one another we're going to want to release gifts we're going to want to release some of you if you've never been baptized in the holy spirit although our survey says a majority of our church has when we took that survey at our meeting um, most of us have but if some of us haven't hey that's something doesn't even have to happen in a sunday morning service some people are more I don't want to come up front and do that. Fine. Just do it on Tuesday night at somebody else's house. Call up some of our elders. Our elders would love to come pray with you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is that right, elders? We, they want to, they'll do that anytime. So if you say, I, I don't want to do it at Sunday morning, that's fine. God baptizes people on Tuesday afternoon sometimes. So uh, just find somebody. Find some of our other leaders. You know, we'd love to pray with you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because that's the starting point. That's, that's the ignition point for the gifts being released. And it's so important as we go on and talk about these things. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, then that's, that's the starting point. That's how, the, that's how everything begins for, for the gifts. Um, and you know, you may not even have your, if you don't have your prayer language, there's some people who've been prayed for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that haven't spoken in tongues yet, for whatever reason, and let's not try to figure it out, let's, let's just keep seeking the Lord and leave it up to Him. But that doesn't mean that you can't have other gifts operating in your life. So you need to know that it's not like, well, if you don't have tongues, you can't do anything else. Um, And I don't know if Pentecostal churches teach that or spirit-filled churches, charismatic churches, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I don't know if they teach that or not, but if they do, that's wrong. (laughs) Let me just say that right now. That's wrong, okay? Uh, I believe tongues is a gift that's for everybody. And the tongues in 1 Corinthians 12 is not your prayer language. The tongues in 1 Corinthians 12 is not your prayer language. That is the gift of tongues for a public meeting. The prayer language is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 14 where it's talking about singing in your spirit and praying in your spirit. It's it's mentioned in Jude chapter, uh, Jude verse 20. It's mentioned at the end of Ephesians 6, praying in the spirit with all occasions. That's where I believe uh, that praying in the spirit as a prayer language is mentioned. So the gift of tongues, you can speak in tongues with a prayer language and not have the gift of tongues and that goes along with interpretation for a public meeting. Am I messing with you already? <laughs> so if that's that's what I'm teaching. So if, if uh, that's not jiving with you, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's where we're going. So that's why I believe, look, not everybody will operate necessarily in the gift of tongues for a public meeting, but everybody can. I receive receive the gift of personal prayer that God gives that we call prayer language, some call speaking in tongues, some call spiritual language, whatever you want to call it. So... Just a few things to before we get into to this study. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's uh, let's close and stand. Thank you, Lord Holy Spirit. We just thank you once again for leading us into all truth. God, we just say we're a candidate to be led into truth. Holy Spirit, I want to know more about the truth of your gifts that you have given to be used through us to bless the world around us. Lord, we want to be we want to be empowered by you. We don't want to just talk about it, Lord. Uh, we want to see it happening. And so we just invite you to lead us, Lord. If if there's uh, Lord, just an understanding of of the power of the laying on of our hands, God. If there's nothing that we get that we could say, there there's there's something powerful that happens. When the people of God lay hands on somebody, there's all kinds of activity of the Holy Spirit. There's a power and presence. There's giftings. There's spiritual authority. There's a release of ministry. There's all kinds of things that happen, Lord. And there's even healing, gifts of healing that are released. So all that happens, Lord, is we lay hands on somebody. Lord, thank you for my hands, God. Thank you that that you have anointed our hands, Lord, because you want to release the goodness and presence and power of God in the world. So use our hands, God. Lord, we just lift our hands up to you this morning. We just say, use our hands. May my hands be set apart for you, God. I want, I want to see the, the presence and the goodness of God, the love of God released, Lord, through, through my hands, that they display and demonstrate who you are. Lord, you're, you're gentle, you're loving, yet you're also strong. Lord, we want that revealed through us. Fill us, Holy Spirit. We pray, Holy Spirit, come, Lord. We ask for a fresh filling for all of us, Lord. That we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we don't have to be dry. We don't have to have a, a low fire, Lord. We can have a fire that's freshly burning, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, as we dig into the scriptures. You are going to bring revelation to us. You're going to activate gifts. You're going to bring things that have gone dormant back to life. You're going to, you're going to release new things, God. And we just ask for all those things, Lord. We we invite you to lead us. We say. Holy Spirit, we are following you, Lord. We're not the leaders, you're the leader. We, it's, it's your body, and we want to be led, and let Jesus be lifted up as Lord. I, I love that picture. We want Jesus to be exalted, Lord. It's not about us, it's not about me, it's not about our church, it's not, about, it's not even about what you're doing in our city, God. It's about Jesus being lifted up as Lord. And so we ask for that to happen, Lord whether that comes through our mouth, whether that comes through our hands, whether it comes through our thoughts, Jesus be Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Yeah. Amen. Be blessed. And uh, if you need prayer, we still love to pray with you.